This is the Bible Book Club. And we're so excited to be in one of my favorite books, the Book of Ruth. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. Last episode, we read chapter three of Ruth. Naomi played matchmaker, which was a crazy plan, and Ruth got dressed up and lay at Boaz's feet while he was sleeping on the threshing floor. It was a very risky move for Ruth, but she agrees willingly. She must have been scared to death because Boaz sees that fear in her eyes, but the plan worked. Boaz then realizes that he is the answer to his own prayer and that God would reward Ruth for her love and loyalty to Naomi. However, there is a hitch for Boaz to become the Kingsman Redeemer, the relative closer to Naomi than he must first decline to do that deed. Okay. This is Ruth for our final episode. I love this book. I've titled this, The Seed is Planted. In this episode, we will come to the climatic end of our story. We began the book of Ruth with a story of famine and death, and we will end the book of Ruth with a story of provision and birth. The book of Ruth is, above all else, a story of redemption God is in the business of redeeming what was lost. So starting in chapter four, scene one, Boaz goes to town to win a wife. This scene takes place at the city gate, a common practice for the day. The area around the gate was usually a spacious enough place for people to assemble. It was also a place where business was conducted as people went in and out all day long. So if you wanted to find someone without a cell phone, this was the first place to look. We pick up from chapter three. The last verse we read was from Naomi to Ruth, instructing her to just wait for Boaz because the man would not rest until the matter was settled today. Naomi was right. Our chapter begins with the word, meanwhile, which implies that even as Naomi spoke these words to Ruth, Boaz was already acting. He went straight to the city gate with one intention. He was going to marry Ruth and redeem this family. Whatever his plans were for his life before he met Ruth, we will never know. Boaz is answering a higher call, and that often means laying down what you want for what God wants. Just as Ruth laid down her interests for her life to care for Naomi's life, taking part in God's redemption plan is not always easy. Chapter four. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Boaz just happens to arrive right before the other guardian redeemer shows up. A providence of God again. Boaz makes this clever move by starting his negotiation with the property 
no mention of Ruth. He is intentionally diverting attention away from Ruth toward the material gain of land to reveal this man's motive in front of everyone. Now, keep in mind that land was and is much more important to the Israelites than it is to us. The promised land was given to them by God and divided up by tribe during the time of Joshua to be passed down by family to the generations after them. The gift of land was theirs to use if they obeyed and followed God. But ultimately, the land was still God's land. Now, for the Israelites, God, their spiritual relationship with him, the land, and their lineage were all tied up together. If a family member could not work the land and had to sell it, the nearest relative was to buy it or buy it back from whoever bought it to keep it in the family. It was very important to them. Now, the other guardian redeemer, who is the closest relative to Naomi, was all in on the land. He wants it. It was a good deal for him until Boaz revealed what comes with the land. Verse five, then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Again, Boaz was very strategic. The man has made it very clear he is in this for personal gain only, which means the land. Until Boaz mentions that the land comes with a Moabite wife. So the other relative, the man, I wish we knew his name, but he just wasn't important enough for them to give him a name. He says that marrying Ruth endangers his estate. Now, it could be he is referring to his reputation that would suffer if he married a Moabite, or it could be the Levirate responsibility. This would mean that the firstborn son in the new marriage, if he married Ruth, would be recognized as the child of Milan, Ruth's first husband. When this son grew up, the land would be his, and it would no longer benefit this other guardian redeemer and his family. If he already has a family, we just don't know. In the meantime, he would have to support Naomi and Ruth until Ruth had a son to take care of them, which if this man is already married, could mean that during this time period, while this child grows up, he would have two wives and two mothers-in-law. Which was okay then. They were doing that, right? Weren't they doing multiple wives. They were, but what a hassle to have two wives and two mother-in-laws to take care of. So we're not sure what this man's situation is, like if he was already married and already had a family, but he makes it like a split decision. He decides that it's not in his best interest to marry Ruth the Moabite and have Naomi as a mother-in-law. His choice was not legally wrong because he was not Malone's brother. He was just a distant relative. However, his choice certainly lacked hesed or love, loving kindness for Ruth and Naomi. And Boaz made sure that this discussion was very public, leaving the other man no chance to take the property without taking the responsibility for Ruth and Naomi's future. 
His selfish behavior emphasizes that these were the dark days of judges and few, if any, had Boaz's godly standard and love for other people. So why did Boaz approach the situation in this way? First, to have witnesses to the decision. Second, to reveal the man's motive in front of these witnesses. He has no intention of marrying Ruth, this man. Therefore, he cannot come back after Boaz marries Ruth and say that he had been cheated out of the land because he gave it up. That Boaz is a smart guy. Oh my gosh. And guess what? Boaz wins the prize. Verse 7. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilon and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Melon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Boaz takes on the role of Goel, which means redeemer. He is redeeming the land. And as such, lists all the names of the men who had died in Moab, signifying their restoration to the clan through Ruth as his wife. The interesting thing is that the lever did not stick. In all the genealogies that follow, Boaz's son is listed as his son, not Elimelech's. Now, it may be that the law of the Leveret marriage applies only to brothers and no one else. A Lever weds the widow, a Goel buys the land. The Lever affects one kind of seed, the Goel, the other. Perhaps Boaz was considered more of a Goel and less of a lover, and therefore the child born is listed as his. We don't really know. Or it may be because Boaz did not marry Naomi, but her daughter-in-law. So in the genealogy, Obed is not a Limelech's son, but Boaz's, implying that the maintaining the name of the dead husband was more of a formality for the land itself. All right, scene two. Ruth and Boaz are blessed with Hael. Verse 11. When the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. This is such a prophetic prayer. If they only knew when they prayed it, how it would play out. The elders prayed for Ruth, that the Lord would make Ruth like Leah and Rachel, Jacob's wives. These sisters also left their home like Ruth did. And between them and their maids built the 12 tribes of Israel through their 12 sons. Leah was the mother of Judah, the tribe that Naomi and Boaz are from. The elders are asking God to give Ruth a place next to Leah. Then the elders pray for Boaz, Ruth, and their family. They pray that Boaz would have standing through the offspring of Ruth. 
Here is the third use of the word hail, which includes so many things. It means wealth, virtue, strength, courage, social standing, and moral excellence. These are all the things that elders pray for them. Of all the couples in the Bible, these two, Boaz and Ruth, stand out because they are examples of hail, all those wonderful things I just said, and has said that loving kindness that they give to others. The elders also prayed that their family would be like that of Perez, the son of Tamar, who was the other woman woven into the story of Israel as a foreigner through a Leveret marriage. The comparison of Judah and Tamar to Boaz and Ruth is so interesting. Judah was not honorable toward Tamar. Boaz was honorable to Ruth. Tamar was not honest with Judah. Ruth was honest with Boaz. One couple did it wrong, the other right. But God used both couples in the genealogy of Christ. Now, all of these prayers were answered. The most important of which was this. They said, through the offspring, the Lord gives you by this young woman. That word offspring in Hebrew means seed. All of Israel waited and prayed for the good news of that seed given way back in Genesis 3.15. It was the one seed that would crush Satan. That seed that would come from the tribe of Judah. So they prayed, the elders in every generation before and after them prayed for each and every family in the tribe of Judah to be the family that would have the seed to save the world. Boaz and Ruth never knew the importance of what they carried. Fast forward to scene three, Ruth and Boaz marry. How did Boaz pop the question? His go-to is clearly green, but I am hoping he appeared on her doorstep with a little more creativity. So I want to dive into this because truthfully, we just go from he's going to take action to and speak to the elders to all of a sudden they're married and they're having a baby. Now, I hope he didn't just hand her that nasty sandal from the other relative and say, I won. Surely they had some kind of ring back then. Did he scoop her up and kiss her? I want them to drop their almost awkward respect for each other and reclaim that threshing floor feeling. We will never know how it all happened and what Ruth's response was. But we do know that God answered Naomi's prayer. In chapter one, verse nine, Naomi had prayed that the Lord would give Ruth and Orpah rest in the home of another husband. Now to find rest in Hebrew means to marry. Orpah is out of the picture. We don't know what happens to her. But Ruth the Moabite has miraculously found rest in Boaz, her redeemer. Rest is also linked to redemption for us in Hebrews 4.11. Those who are redeemed are saved and enter into God's rest. As the bride of Christ, we too find rest in our redeemer. It must have been a somewhat romantic marriage because our little Miss Ruth, who did not conceive in 10 years of marriage, 
to Malone, waste no time conceiving with Boaz. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Remember, there are only two verses in the book of Ruth um, that mention God and they form bookends. The Lord provided food or seed in chapter one, and the Lord enabled Ruth to conceive through a seed in chapter four. I mentioned this in chapter one, both the harvest and the child were provisions of a seed. God blessed the seed implanted in the land and the seed implanted in Ruth. And the seed of Ruth's child will lead to the promised seed from Genesis that will save the world, that bread of life, Jesus Christ. And in between these two verses, God redeemed Naomi by giving her family, and God redeemed the land of Elimelech by providing an heir. Redemption always involves restoring what was lost. Naomi lost her children in Moab, and she was given a child born to Ruth in Bethlehem. We lost eternal life in the Garden of Eden, and we are given life by a child born to Mary in Bethlehem. So much promise was born in that little town of Bethlehem. Verse 14, the women said to Naomi, praise be the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. We began this book with these women of the town watching Naomi and Ruth come into town and we end with these women. The women, though, are singing a new tune as they watch Naomi walk down the street, pushing a plush pram and cooing over baby Obed. And now, rather than seeing Naomi and Ruth as a blight on their little town, Naomi and Ruth are a cause for praise. Naomi has come full circle. In chapter one, we discussed her sad transformation when she went from Bethlehem to Moab. It's all reversed now. Naomi has gone from Moab to Bethlehem and from bitter to sweet, from empty to full, from death to birth, from depression to joy. Naomi has returned to Bethlehem and she has returned to God. And Naomi has been restored to God. And Naomi's life has been redeemed through a daughter-in-law who is better than seven sons and a little child of hope. And what about Ruth? She is a daughter-in-law who is better than seven sons, which implies perfection because that number seven. But then she is the Proverbs 31 woman. For a woman who isn't even Hebrew, Ruth is a model of what her great, 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 great grandson will call the first and second greatest commandment. Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, so Ruth may not have grown up as a Moabite, knowing God and learning Moses' law, but she nailed it on what her future grandchild, Jesus Christ, 
thinks is most important. She loved God and she loved her neighbor. Scene four, from Ruth the Moabite to David the King. Our author here changes gears and peers into the future. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. So how was this genealogy written? Was it added as an epilogue? Yes, it was. Why does it begin with Perez instead of like, you know, Abraham or somebody, one of the patriarchs? Possibly because they wanted 10 names from Perez to David. This was kind of a thing. Or it may have been a strategic decision so that Boaz ended up as the seventh name, making him the focus as that is God's number of perfection. And because Boaz is the hero and redeemer. So what about Judah? We talked about Judah and Tamar a lot in Ruth. Judah was actually Perez's father. So if he had been added to the genealogy, he would have been that link back in time to the 12 sons of Jacob and the patriarch. So remember, Judah was one of the 12 sons. Now, another interesting thing about this uh, genealogy to remember is that Boaz's father was Salmon which is another cool story of a female foreigner grafted into the line of Christ. Boaz's mother was Rahab, the prostitute who saved the spies at Jericho. Rahab, like Ruth, was courageous and left her people to be part of Israel because she believed that their God was the one true God. Just like Ruth. Exactly. So perhaps that's why Boaz had such a high standard for a wife. His mother was a courageous outsider. And it definitely explains why Ruth, being a Moabite, did not seem to bother Boaz because his mother was a Canaanite. Now, the inclusion of Tamar, who was the mother of Perez, Rahab, who was the mother of Boaz, and Ruth shines a spotlight on how God blesses ordinary people who make extraordinary decisions to follow him because all three of those women left their home and their culture to be part of something else. All right, three episodes ago, when we started talking about Ruth, we discussed the themes of the book of Ruth. There are three. So let's take a look at how our heroes have fulfilled all three. First, one theme was Hesed, love and loyalty, which is fundamental to God's plan for us. Every one of our three main characters shows Hesed for someone. In chapter two, Ruth takes initiative with Hesed to Naomi. In chapter three, Naomi takes initiative with Hesed for Ruth. In chapter four, Boaz takes initiative with Hesed to Naomi and Ruth. The Hesed of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz lays the foundation for a salvation that extends way beyond their generation and their nation. But none of the acts of Hesed can compare to the Hesed of God. His loving kindness is ever present in every scene of the book of Ruth. 
God's has said, led Ruth to Boaz's field. God's has said, caused Boaz to appear at the field and notice her. God's has said, brought about their marriage. And his has said, produced a child, a seed in the line to a savior. All right. The second message or theme of Ruth that we discussed was providence. All of the above happened because of God's providence. Because of God's has said his love and loyalty for us, he is always at work in the world, even in the midst of suffering and loss. And his work in the world has a purpose to redeem us. In the difficult times of our lives and in the world around us, the message of Ruth should give us comfort and hope. God is always at work fulfilling his plan, even when the world around us seems dark, as it did during this time of Judges. Note, never forget that you can't always see what God is doing, but it doesn't mean that he's not doing something. All right, the third theme was redemption. On an individual and global level, redemption has been God's plan from the beginning. I have never in any other season of Bible Book Club used the word redeem so many times. And this has been our shortest book by far. I can only say, remember, God's ultimate desire is to redeem you. And if you ever forget that, just re-listen to season eight of Bible Book Club, The Story of Ruth. One of the greatest lessons of Ruth after these three messages is that God uses his people to achieve his purpose. God uses individuals like Naomi. God uses couples like Boaz and Ruth. And God uses entire families like Abraham, who led to Judah, who led to Boaz and Ruth, who led to David, who led to Jesus. One last thing. We ended the book of Judges with this verse. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And we end the book of Ruth with Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. The story is not over because David, the king that Israel so desperately needed, is on the way. We end this episode of Ruth on the Monday before Christmas. The next episode to drop is a special Christmas episode that will take this genealogy that we read today from King David all the way to Jesus. We hope you've loved discussing Ruth as much as we have. It is one of my favorites. And if you're following our bonus Advent episodes of Ruth, there's just one more bonus from that little town of Bethlehem. And after Ruth, we look forward to meeting you in 1 Samuel. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. Edited by Buck Buchanan. Produced by Haley Mawatt.